You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off. And who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I guess I guess last week's episode was the first episode of the offseason, but the maybe first official Pax What She Said of the Packers offseason, even though the Super Bowl is about a week and a half away at this point. Um, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein. Hi, Perry. Hi. How are you? How are you existing without Packers football? It sucks. It's <laughs> like really not as fun, and I miss watching football. Yeah, I agree. Like, what do I do with my Thursday and Monday nights now? I know. I'm, like, trying to take up hobbies, isn't it? Like, I'm reading more books. Like, I guess that's oh, good. This is our hobby. It's rude. That's true. But there's plenty of off-season antics to follow. God, already. yeah. The NFL is already in hot water for a number of reasons, and, you know, they should be. But uh, the coaching carousel is always kind of fun to follow and track. Still some vacancies. The Jim Harbaugh news looked kind of exciting in Minnesota, and now that's not happening. So, ha-ha, Vikings. Um, <laughs> but there's plenty There's plenty to talk about with the Packers coaching staff. Obviously, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, now with Denver, took with him the Packers tight ends coach, uh, Justin Outen. Luke Getze, the quarterback's coach, now with Chicago to be their offensive coordinator and play caller, which will be cool for him. And lots of changes in-house for the Packers as well. Matt LaFleur has elevated Adam Stenovich, offensive line coach, to become the offensive coordinator. Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach, was promoted to wide receivers and passing game coordinator. Luke Butkus moves up to the offensive line coach. Connor Lewis is an assistant quarterbacks coach. And Ryan Maffey to assistant offensive line coach. So still two vacancies on the offensive side of the ball in the quarterbacks coach and the tight ends coach. And then, of course, special teams coordinator. But what are your thoughts, I guess, so far on how this this special I almost said how the special teams, how this uh, offensive side of the ball is shaping up with the coaching staff. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts about it because I know it's really hard to watch a good talent leave, but I think it says more good things about the Packers and the staff and the personnel that they've built that like everyone's getting promoted, right? And so it obviously is really hard because promotions in the NFL most of the time mean you're losing that talent and they're going to a different team. But it also means that, like, clearly Matt LaFleur has a good eye for assistant coaches. And I feel like I trust him in his promotions and decision-making when it comes to who he's going to bring in. Um, And there's been some fun names for some of the open vacancies so far. So I like to look at it as a positive, even though, you know, losing 
Luke Getze, I think, especially to a division rival is really tough because that's a lot of institutional knowledge that he's now bringing to a rival. Um, and of course, pumped for the Nathaniel Hackett. And I hope that he's super successful out in Denver. Um, but I also think that some of these promotions that you mentioned are really exciting and I think could potentially change the way the Packers offense runs. And I think it obviously all depends on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But Steno to offensive coordinator is awesome. And I think keeping him in house is even more important. Um, he's, I mean, what he was able to do with the offensive line this season was nothing short of like miraculous. Um, and he's also going to be, you know, he was also running game coordinator as well this 2021 season. So I think with the running back room being really the only room that's staying put and is I think like one of the strongest position groups going into this offseason for the Packers I'm like just super excited to see what he does with the run game next season as offensive coordinator and again I think about it in terms of if it is an Aaron Rodgers and it is Jordan Love starting or a different quarterback like leading on AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and that really fun run game that they can bring is just like a no, it's just a, I'm trying to think of like positives to get excited about. Um, and that's one of them, right? Because that's like, that's Adam Stanovich's kind of bread and butter that he's successful at. So some cool things. Um, I think obviously the biggest question mark for Packers fans right now with recency bias is what are they going to do with special teams? Yeah. And before we dive into that, I, I do agree with you 100% about, you know, Adam Stanovich. I thought of all of the the coordinators potentially that could be elevated. He made the most sense. And I think it's interesting. And I know that Nathaniel Hackett wanted to take Steno with him to Denver. It sounded like initially, um, but I think it does kind of emphasize where this offense could be going. You know, Luke Getze obviously was the passing game coordinator last season. So, you know, a lot of the air attack that we saw was designed by guys like Hackett and Getze, of course, with Lafleur. So I do think your point is, you know, spot on about, Stenovich emphasizing, you know, potentially the run game more. We're, we talked about it a little bit on last week's show about the identity of the Packers, but if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, you said it already, the the running backs room is pretty much the only room that's stable right now. You've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon locked up. Kylan Hill will be back from his ACL, and then Patrick Taylor was a fun fourth option. Every other position group has either unrestricted free agents or, you know, potential to not be coming back. So it's kind of funny to think that in – this next chapter of the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't return, we're looking at, honestly, the defense being the most stable unit right now on the team with Joe Barry and all of those coordinators. Um, they've all stayed the same, the position coaches. So lots up in the air still for the Packers. Isn't it fun and such a nice change of pace that the defense is staying the same? Yeah. Because there's something about the offense that I find – because it really does run through Matt LaFleur, right? Like obviously Hacken gets, you had a lot um, of say in the way that offense was run and concepts, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, it's run through Matt LaFleur and he is the play caller. And I just feel like I have a lot more confidence in them finding the right pieces at the assistant coaching position and, and figuring it out under Seno and Matt LaFleur. Um, even with like some of the, even like player personnel changes but the Packers have had so much turnover on defense for so long now like the fact that that is the stable thing going into 2022 and seeing like what they were able to do over like the stretch at the end of the season I think that's really exciting like that continuity is huge and especially with defense being really young and it just sounds like they have like a really nice 
working relationship with Joe Barry, with Jerry Gray, with Jerry Montgomery, like all of those assistant coaches. It's just, I think, to build on what they were able to do this past season is going to be really exciting for the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought this was kind of cool, you know, when they they bring out the news about the different coordinators and their promotions under Adam Stanovich's, they talked about how Green Bay led the NFL in time of possession in each of the last two seasons, which I'm not necessarily sure I would have expected. Um, I know that they had, you know, the league's best offense in 2020, but to actually hold the ball for as long as they have, I'm not sure that it felt like that watching a lot of this season. Um, And then tied with Minnesota and Seattle in turnovers of 13 for 2021, um, becoming the first team in NFL history to have 13 or fewer giveaways in three consecutive seasons. So I think that does kind of show Matt LaFleur's emphasis on ball security. And, you know, honestly, bringing in Joe Barry, I think made a huge difference as far as, you know, their ability to force turnovers. And just, you know, I talked about it um, with Aaron Nagler on she said TV earlier this week, but just going back to the fundamentals to have Joe Barry, you know, into his second year now with the team when they were the best unit in the league, when it comes to tackling a lot of those things. Now I think we'll be able to see translate into year two under the Joe Barry defense. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like such a change of pace from the normal Packers off season, like coaching changes. Cause there are always coaching changes. I think it's very rare to have none, Um, but now we're looking at like such an offensive overhaul and I think it, it fits too with the personnel, um, player wise. I mean, like there's going to be a lot of turnover with the offensive players, um, fortunately or unfortunately, it's just where the Packers are like cap wise and contract wise, but very little, I think turnover when it comes to defensive players. So, um, it's funny how those two things are mirrored. I actually just kind of, that just came to me. Yeah, so on defense, Devondre Campbell's probably the biggest free agent at this point, you know, hoping he comes back. Rasul Douglas would probably be the second biggest. Maybe Jandon Sullivan because he looked really good as the nickel DB all season. But other than that, it's, you know, like Oren Burks, who didn't have much of an impact on defense. Kevin King, who unfortunately kind of rode the bench for a lot of the season. Guys like Tyler Lancaster. So... Not a ton there, but on offense, like you said, you know, you've got Devontae Adams, you've got Robert Tunyon, Lucas Patrick, which kind of surprised me. I forgot about that, given the way that he's kind of filled in at every position on the line. MVS, obviously, EQ, and Dennis Kelly. So I don't know if Adam Stenovich, you know, now being the OC, would have any kind of emphasis on who he'd prefer to bring back, but definitely going to be a completely different offense in 2022. Yeah, it will be. Is there anybody that you, and I know like paying attention to assistant coaches is difficult, so it's fine. Cause I don't have an answer to this question, but is there anybody that you've heard of or like have your eye on for the Packers to bring in, whether it is cute quarterback coach or tight end coach, or we can get to special teams, but special teams coordinator. Yeah. To me, I think, you know, I, I don't know enough about like position coaches at this point, but Special teams, you know, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I think you just have to do an entire overhaul mm-hmm. of special teams. And I think we saw that, you know, with Cooper Cup and Debo and a lot of these starters. And, you know, the, the downside of that is, of course, what happened to A.J. Dillon, where you put your starters on special teams and they get hurt and they're unable to actually, you know, do their job on offense or defense. But it feels like the Packers have been consistently bad like not just below average like consistently bad on special teams and Mason Crosby always kind of saved it because at least they were making field goals you know or like at least his kicks would go out of bounds on kickoffs or out of the back of the end zone 
to now be in a situation where you can argue that special teams kind of lost them important divisional games, you'd think that there has to be some type of culture shift where whether it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be Devonte Adams. You would never see him out there on special teams, but I think there needs to be like a vet presence where they take some ownership of special teams and kind of acknowledge what it can do to help you win a football game. So do they bring Mason Crosby back? I mean, I imagine if they do, there's going to be a kicker competition at the very least. I think that like the only position that should be secure is Corey Borges. Yeah. I would hope long snappers not back. And I, I don't know. I, I get the sense that that was Mason's last year and maybe there's a competition, but just knowing kind of what he's being paid right now to, to stay with the Packers, if there's any type of like wiggle room or them trying to make any cap room, I think he's one of the contracts that it's like, well, and you know, the Bengals joked about it all year with McPherson. Like this is why you draft a kicker. Mm-hmm. If the Packers have disposal picks on day three, the, the worst they can do is, you know, try one or, you know, even two, which would just completely blow up Packers Twitter, but make it a competition, you know. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Like, he's just been so consistent for over a decade, and kickers are so important. Obviously, you see mm-hmm. Evan McPherson is a perfect example. He won the Bengals multiple playoff games. <laughs> Um, so you want to be like really thoughtful, I think about how, who you bring in, but your point about a vet presence on special teams is such an important one for this discussion also, because Mason Crosby is that guy. He is the vet. I mean, he's literally him and Rogers are the last two players on this team who were on the Super Bowl winning team. And so you don't just lose like your longstanding consistent kicker. You lose the vet presence that you just mentioned but I don't think that if he was trying to be that person this season, I don't know how much it was translating to what was happening on the field clearly um, because they completely fell apart and the kicking unit in general completely fell apart. Um, But I just think, I mean, I just think everyone's going to really have their eye on that. Yeah. And I mean, there could be something where, you know, Mason Crosby, you said it, he's been as good as he, as good as can be, especially kicking outdoors in winter, you know, recording this while it's literally snowing out my window. Like that's hard to come by drafting somebody to kick in a cold climate. is tough, especially if you're looking at kickers that like grew up in California or, you know, have lived in warmer climates their whole lives. Like those are all things to think about, but you know, I think the challenge that the Packers had on special teams so much this season, and you could argue that any team did, but that's why the vets matter so much, is the bottom third of the roster felt like it was always churning, whether it was COVID or players going on injured reserve. So it felt like every week there were new faces tasked with being a gunner or like some really important roles on special teams. And I think that's why you need guys like, you know, Alan Lazard stepping in to do some of that, A.J. Dillon guys that can own it because they are kind of a stable presence as opposed to no disrespect, but guys like Juwan Winfrey who were elevated for like a week or Tipa and maybe don't have the same grasp of the position that somebody would if they'd been doing it all season. Yeah. I just think who they bring in is going to be really telling about the way that they feel about the, about the position group or phase if you will like all together because it's very clear I think to fans and all media people that there needs to be a complete overhaul of special teams like it was just an absolute utter disaster and you said it they lost them games Um, they arguably lost them the divisional round so you'd think that they would just like burn it down and rebuild 
And I think like, depending on, you know, like if the Packers like promote from within again, a special teams coordinator, it's just like, okay, here we go again. This is going to be another year of them being horrible in this unit versus if they go out and sign, let's say like a Ravens assistant special teams coordinator, like you're going to like one of the best units in the league saying, give me someone who works under the the special teams coordinator who's been with Justin Tucker this whole time. And like, let's just like rebuild this from scratch. I just think the decision they make with this coordinator is going to be really telling of like the, where the, the direction they're taking this as a whole. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you know, it takes two to tango in a lot of these situations where the Packers could have interest in guys that aren't interested in coming to be a special teams right. coach. But I, I do think it's interesting. I think it probably was Andy, friend of the show, that mentioned this on Twitter. But Jay Harbaugh has been a really interesting name in a lot of this to potentially be a special teams coordinator because we know that the Harbaugh's are all excellent on special teams and have emphasized it. So, yeah. you know, the thought, yeah, I guess. Even Rich Bisaccia, like Rich was just led the Raiders to like. That would be fantastic. Nobody expected um, after, you know, the debacle with Gruden and is a free, is a free agent right now. And the Packers are in a very, like you think unique situation to go grab whoever they want because they can, because, you know, they're not in the Super Bowl, um, and neither are the Raiders. So I don't know what they're waiting for. Cause I mean, you'd think that someone like him would be snatched up very quickly. Well, and even hearing like what his players said about him when the Raiders released him, no. just you know, it, it was so impactful. And I think that's the kind of guy that you need on special teams. Those are the kind of people that you want in your locker room as your coordinators, because I think, you know, it felt like for a lot of the season, there was no ownership of special teams. And I'm not, you know, I don't think it was necessarily Mo Drayton. I think it was bigger than him. I think he kind of was the sacrificial lamb, just like maybe Sean Menengo was before him. And I agree it, with you. So, you know, I hope he lands on his feet elsewhere, you know, doing the same thing and can have a better output. But I think those kind of environmental changes are what what the Packers need for the culture, because I think some like remember when we it might have been on pack a day. We were talking to Ty Summers and he basically said, like, you you get told to play special teams when you're not good enough to make it on offense or defense. So there has to be like a mentality change where instead of saying like, oh, I'm only here because I want to see the football field in some capacity, it's like, well, no, if I'm going to get 10 reps a game, I have to make the most of them regardless of whether they're you know, on defense or special teams because we can still go help them win football games. So I think that's kind of what's been missing for so long from the Packers special teams. Yeah. It's a very telling statement in like retrospect because I know that you look, you talked to him in, in the offseason last year. Um, and I, I wonder actually now that you mentioned Ty Summers, like what his injury did for the Packers special teams unit as a whole, yeah. like, him and Oren Burks were the all-stars. And so when you lose someone that good, I don't know, I guess I got to watch some more special teams, Phil. I know. I don't want to, but <laughs> that can be our hobby, I guess, in the off season, since we need a hobby. Really? Um, <laughs> any other thoughts on like the coaching carousel? I'm just really curious to see you know, what happens with quarterbacks coach and with special teams, because I know, you know, I don't, I think Matt LaFleur will have his coaching staff in place before we hear anything about Rogers or Devonte or any of the restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents. Like, I don't think that, you know, whoever they hire to be the tight ends coach will necessarily influence like if Robert Tunyon comes back, but I do think it'll be kind of telling to see what kind of quarterbacks coach they bring in. You know, if it's somebody that can, hang with Rogers, if it's somebody that they want to be like a mentor to Jordan Love, 
if it's, you know, somebody out of left field that super good buds with Derek Carr and all of a sudden like <laughs> those rumors start. So I, I guess I'm just curious to see like what LaFleur does at quarterback coach. I don't know that LaFleur is going to bring anybody in that's like suited for a specific player. Um, I don't think he operates like that. I do think that like he has to be kind of strategic, right? Because realistically, whoever he brings in is going to have, if they have one year with Rogers, sure, they're going to have to jive with Rogers, but they're not going to have more than a season with Aaron left. So it's going to have to also be someone who can help develop a young quarterback and have some kind of history or experience doing that, um, regardless of Rodgers. I think that would be like the number one because Rodgers coming in, I don't know how much he needs a quarterback's coach at this point in his career. Like, I don't know what the inside look into that room is, but I think that that guy and like Luke Getze in particular is so pivotal pivotal wow can't speak today pivotal for the development of Jordan Love or any other quarterback that the Packers happen to bring in yeah at this point well so I want to go back to something that you said because I'm I'm curious about this I I think my thought process on everything going on with Aaron Rodgers has changed and it's it's hard to figure things out on Twitter obviously you know today he was buying a house in Nashville and was going to play for the Titans like there is a rumor every day about Aaron Rodgers and where he'll be next season I've kind of been under the impression, I don't know what gave me that impression, but I've been feeling since the season ended that Rodgers was either going to retire, which I don't think he does because I don't think he wants to go into a Hall of Fame class with Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, um, or he gets a long-term extension to stay in Green Bay. Like, I don't think we're looking at a one-year last dance kind of thing, like a part two electric boogaloo. Because he keeps talking about not wanting to be a lame duck. And if he's going on back-to-back MVPs where he still can play at a high level, I don't think he wants to just keep kicking the can down the road and saying like, well, if we, if we run it back one more year, then can you release my rights and let me go play elsewhere? Or like, then you can trade me. I think he just wants to know that it's not going to be like, okay, Aaron, we're going to string you along. And then, you know, Jordan Love is going to swoop in. I don't so think, I think if anyone's stringing along the Packers, it's him. Right. I agree, but I just I think that if there's a negotiation with him, it will be for something long term, at least two or three years. I don't see him saying like, yeah, one more year and then I'm going to retire. Really? I disagree with that. I think that like he I this might be wishful thinking, but I mean, we we can dive into Aaron Rodgers things now if we want. <laughs> I, I think that I actually think that what he would prefer is run it back another year try to make it to the big dance and then be done. I actually think of all the things that he said in his conversations with Pat and with his pressers, like I actually think his ideal scenario is to retire a Packer and be like big Ben and be play one with one team for his entire career. I actually think that means a lot to him. I also think that like, when you look at the NFC as a whole, uh, Brady retires, right? You've got Stafford, Kirk, Russ, wherever he ends up, like Rogers is immediately top dog in the Mm -hmm. NFC. And so for him to go to the AFC where it's stacked with all of the young talent, he's not like, he wants to win right now. I don't, I don't think that like money or anything like that is going to influence him as much as like the ability to win. I mean, he even said it in his his presser after division. I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Like he just wants to win and then be out. 
um, is my interpretation. So I actually think that like staying with the Packers is, is, is his best bet if that's what he wants. So you can like do all the rumors you want about the Broncos and Hackett and the Titans, like you said, but I don't, I, he's a smart guy. He knows what going to the AFC means for his chances of winning. Um, I don't see a world unless it makes cap sense, but like, I just think continuing to extend him and restructure him puts the Packers in a cap hold that is really not advantageous for them. Like if they want to build around Rogers for the next two to three years, they're going to have to cut a lot of guys. They're probably not going to be able to resign Devonte Adams. And then what do you do with Jordan love? Right? Like you, you made this move to go up for a guy that you like like eventually he's gonna have to play. <laughs> you can't move him until he shows what he has because I don't think anyone's giving up anything for Jordan Love that'll give the Packers something back like that's worthwhile to them that they use a first round pick. So I actually see it if Rodgers doesn't decide to just like retire, which I don't think he will because I think he's too competitive for that. And I think it is another just year, try to get it done. And if we make it, then then I'm out and I've done my whole career in Green Bay and I've like you know fixed up my legacy because some of that was shattered this year and I don't want to go out on such a horrible loss etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah that's I how think, I think about it I think that's interesting and I think maybe like my thought process I could definitely see him retiring after next season um I just mean I think that if he comes back it will be like a heavily restructured contract that will do what you're talking about where he's moving money, which, you know, might screw over the future Packers, but it'll be like, Hey, Aaron, if you want to stay here for four years, we're going to give you good money now. And in like 2023, and then just kick out a huge salary down the line. And then what would the point of that be? Because I feel like he has security. I don't know. Isn't that what he wanted all off season with security? Yeah. But then you're, but I mean, for the Packers, like, why would they do that? Like for another year of maybe making, I just feel like, I think you, you, you say to Rogers, like, we're going all in for one year. We're just going to do it all. We're going to tag Devontae. We'll restructure a bunch of guys. We'll go all in for one year. But like, after that, like, there's no more kicking it down because then we have a young guy on his rookie contract and you have to capitalize on that. Like to not capitalize on Jordan Love's rookie deal and put the pieces around him to actually be successful I just think that's really stupid and I can't see Goot or Mark or Russ Ball being game for that. So because you brought this up, we can either save this for next week or we can, we can dig into this, but I'm curious your thoughts on the Bengals and the Rams and the way that they've built their teams because they are polar opposites right now. Do we want to save that for next week when we do a Super Bowl show or do you want to, do you want to get into it? We can get into it. I mean, Look, I think everybody who listens to us knows that I'm, like, not a fan of the way the Rams built their team. I right. just think it's very super teamy. It gives me Lakers vibes. I just don't like it. I think it's – like, I understand that there's some people who say, like, oh, this the cap doesn't matter. Like, the cap does matter. And eventually it's going to come back to bite you. And I just don't understand devaluing draft picks. Um, like, I do understand it. But eventually, like, Rams fans are not going to be happy and, like, two years when they're like (laughs) completely tearing it down and rebuilding. I just think that's like a very risky way to run your team. Now, if they win on next weekend, 
okay, great. They got a ring out of it. That was the goal, right? Like, and I think that it's going to lead to, and Andy Herman and I have talked about this at nauseum, which is, I think it's going to lead to other teams following this model, but I don't think it's a good model because I think that like other teams are going to try to build this way and they're not going to make the Super Bowl and then they're completely screwing themselves over. I see, I just think the draft, the draft is the value and the Bengals are the perfect example of this is taking a couple of years to put the pieces together, developing your guys in the best way, adding in pieces, right? Like they brought in DJ Reader, who's a, who's a great player in Houston, right? And we loved, actually, we want, we would have been super happy to have DJ Reader on the Packers on that line. They've brought in guys, um, but I just think the development is going to lead to more like longevity of success rather than just like a one-year win a Super Bowl than a big question mark. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, we've talked about super teams before, and that's why the the Packers, you know, their version of all-in looks so different from most teams because all-in was the bargain signing of the offseason in Devondre Campbell coming in for, like, a really modest salary. It was the Rasul Douglas signing when everybody was pining for Stephon Gilmore, which, you know, understandable, get it, totally understand it. But a lot of those, like, really under-the-radar kind of signings that did put the Packers in a position to be able to go all the way. So, you know... I think that's I think that's a good place to stop for this week, but I am really curious to see moving forward what does happen with this Packers roster because whatever you're expecting as a Packers fan, it's going to be something completely off the wall. Yeah. I think with how this team is going to look. So true. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll be talking about it for the next probably two months and two and a half months till the draft. So. Until we find out that Aaron Rodgers is on a private jet on his way to Indy to go on the Pat McAfee show and announce his decision for the future, all we can do is speculate. But Perry, where can everybody listening follow your speculations on Twitter? You will not find a lot of speculation <laughs> on me on Twitter. That's not my thing. But you can follow everything else that I talk about at Perry underscore Goldstein. And uh, please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter. Packs what she said on Instagram and Twitch. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I'm taking a writing break from Cheesehead TV, but you can still find some of my video work there. And, you know, I'll be back to writing about the draft in the next month or so. And then you can also catch both of us with the Pack a Day podcast on Mondays and Fridays. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. No.